Good news. What a joke. I can't believe I trusted that man. Good news for the poor and oppressed. What a flash in the pan. He proclaimed freedom for the prisoners, that their chains would be broken by the words he has spoken. And where is he now? Led away in chains, the irony is not lost on me. What a joke. Foxes have holes and birds their nest, and here I stand, having given up my home for this. Here I stand, having given up my family for this. Here I stand, poor and oppressed. The kingdom of God is now. What a joke. We thought he would show us how as we walked with him, talked with him, placed our hope in him. We saw what he did, this Messiah, this promised hope for the pariah, how he healed the sick, welcomed the child, championed the meek and the mild. He gave us hope for a new life, a world without strife. And I imagined a world without crosses, a world without losses, where all we do is win and there's no more sin. What a joke. Maybe if he was our king, things would have been made right, but he just never exerted his might. What good is forgiving your enemies if it doesn't lead to any remedies? What good is a crucified king? This world is always winter, never spring. What a joke. Today we're going to talk about one of the most perplexing paths that Jesus took, the one that led to the cross. I I think it makes sense to us today, mostly. He died for us, right, so that we could live. But there is a great deal that we might still wrestle with because he calls us to follow this way. Mark 8 says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And if we're going to follow his way, this way that leads to crucifixion, how does that work out practically in in our jobs, at school, in our friendships, marriages? Are we supposed to seek out persecution or death? Are we just okay if it comes? Does this way lead to passivity rather than action? Do we let people walk all over us? I thought Christianity would make my life better, but with all this talk of torture, is that not the case? How is this a good strategy? How does it make any sense? And that is the thing about the way of Jesus. It is totally contrary to the way of the world. According to the way most of the world works, it doesn't make any sense. 1 Corinthians says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. And I know that many of us are followers of the way of the cross. And I can see where we do live cruciform, love-filled lives, but we all have blind spots. And we are all always being tempted by Satan to give up on the cruciform way and to fix this world through his way. And what is Satan's way? Let's look at what he says to Jesus. Matthew chapter 4 says, The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And that is the tricky thing about Satan. He usually doesn't put bad goals in our mind because we know that Jesus was to be the king of the world. Satan usually puts a promise of God in front of us, and he says, you want this world to be better? You want a better, 
happier, richer, safer, more fulfilled life. Doesn't God want that for you? Perfect. Here's how to get it. Satan often uses something that we know is true, that death is the enemy, and to avoid it at all costs. He uses that to make us want to do life in his way. Whereas Jesus says death is actually the key to life. Mark chapter 8, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, get behind me, Satan. There are two ways of living in this world, and for our purposes, I'm going to refer to those two ways as the way of Jesus and the way of the world. Throughout the Bible, these can go by different names. The way of Jesus is also the way of the spirit. The way of the world is also the way of Satan or the way of the flesh, and it's all getting at the same thing. Terrence Malick's masterpiece movie, The Tree of Life, wrestles with themes similar to these. The movie opens by pointing out two ways of living. It calls it the way of grace and the way of nature. In the movie, these two ways of living are primarily embodied by two parents. The mom is the way of grace, and the father is the way of nature. And the son wrestles with being a complex mix of each of them. One commentator on the movie summarizes how the movie explicitly talks about and displays these ways. He says, those who live by the way of grace do not try to please themselves. Grace accepts being slighted, forgotten, disliked, accepts insult and injuries. The way of grace is one of meekness and humility. It is also, we find, the way of wonder. Those who live by grace see that love is smiling through all things. The way of nature fights against being slighted. It seeks its own pleasure. It strives to get others to please it too. One who lives by nature wants to lord it over others, to have its own way. Because nature seeks its own way and wants to control and dominate, it does not accept does not receive, and never even sees that the world is shining around it. And the son in this movie is wrestling with being a mix of his father and mother. The way of grace and the way of nature are churning within him, and he is us. We are all a complex mix of these two ways. They fight within us, pull at our affections, but Jesus calls us to be characterized by his way. In Matthew 20, Jesus teaches, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. This is at the core of the way of Jesus. But he has a lot more to say. Jesus says all kinds of things that we don't particularly care for, like... We've been uh, going through the Sermon on the Mount in youth group, one of the most concentrated teachings of Jesus on his way. One Bible teacher who was working through the Sermon on the Mount asked his students, how many of you think Jesus actually expects us to live out these commands? He says, no one raised their hand. And he goes on writing, one student said, Jesus' commands aren't practical. If we took him seriously, people would walk all over us. 
Others agreed. Loving your enemies, turning the other cheek, and giving to anyone who asks is foolish. It is no way to get ahead, let alone survive in a dangerous world. Have you ever thought that way? Might be a fair reaction to a great deal of Jesus' teachings. Blessed are you when people insult you. Rejoice and be glad. Do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Give to the one who asks you. Do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You cannot serve money. Do not worry about your life. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Lots of hard words for us. And he closes the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 through 7 with, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Yet, we're not sure Jesus' way will work. I mean, sure, we believe it, maybe set it as a goal, but when the rubber hits the road, I am not going to let that guy hit me again or give to that person. You know how naive we ought to be to live that way? Being a Christian is not just a mental assent or belief that Jesus is God. It is a deep trust in the way of Jesus and that it is good and true. And it is really hard to trust this way because it's not the way this world works. And we are constantly being bombarded by the way of the world through social media, news, shows, movies, the way other people around us treat us. The word that comes to mind when I think about all these things and how they shape us is the word to fight. We need to fight to get what we want, fight for our rights. Even self-sacrificial love gets a fighting twist most of the time in movies with the hero dying for their loved one while killing people in the process, just like Jesus would do. (laughs) And I know most of the movies are not making that claim, but when I say the words self-sacrifice or self-giving love, because I'm a movie guy, I watch a lot of movies, those are the top examples that pop into my mind. And it shapes how I view self-sacrifice, which shapes how I live out self-sacrifice. If I go down fighting, That's true love and sacrifice. And I think if that's our definition, we miss the whole point, which is why one of my favorite movies from last year was Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, It's an animated Disney movie. We showed it recently at uh, the Backyard Campout event. And whether it is intentional or not, that movie is so tapped into the way of Jesus because it rightly depicts humanity not as good versus bad people, but as broken family. So when they fight, you're not cheering for the good guy and rooting against the bad guy. Your heart is just broken because they're fighting. And no matter who casts the final blow, no one wins. And I think that movie moves us closer to the heart of Jesus But there are so many more that malform our hearts and lie to us that make us think, I'm I'm not sure if I really should love my enemies. Fighting them seems far more successful. 
Or maybe I'll just redefine love so that fighting them is love. Ephesians 6 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, human beings, but against the rulers, authorities, and powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our fight is with spiritual powers, not people. Instead of that biblical truth, the way of the world shapes us to hate other people, to see them as the enemy. What better example does this age have than politics? <laughs> and I, I use air quotes because we know that when we say something has been politicized, what we really mean is polarized because of how we've been conditioned in echo chambers to believe that we're right and everyone else is dumb. The deep monetization of the news and social media algorithms just guarantees that we are setting ourselves up for a fear and anger-based echo chamber that cements us firmly in the way of the world rather than the way of Jesus. It feeds off of our disordered desires. And as Christians, we must refuse to be held captive by political parties and ideologies. We must not allow ourselves to be duped and used in their political games, power plays, and monetary exploits. The way of Jesus is not one of fear or power. It is one of self-sacrificial love. Jesus modeled this through his love for us, his willingness, his willingness not to take up the sword, but to lay down his life. It is why the church exists, to show that there is another way. Heaven forbid we cast aside that calling and follow the way of the world. If the topic of the politics of Jesus interests you, I cannot recommend highly enough a little book called Scandalous Witness by Lee C. Camp. So helpful for making sense out of the world we live in. One of his core claims is that Christianity is not left or right or even religious. I hope that intrigues you. It's a brilliant little book. It's called Scandalous Witness by Lee Camp. So, the self-sacrificial love of Jesus. Jesus went to the cross. His disciples were shocked and appalled. They thought God was on his side. How can the Messiah be killed? Then the remarkable happened. Jesus was alive again. And the disciples are initially confused and hesitant. Is this real? We today celebrate resurrection in the Easter season. It's joyful, celebratory. But I, I have to wonder if the disciples were initially not joyful, but worried. Why would they be worried, you ask? Because if, if they're putting two and two together... They are realizing that there is now no excuse not to take Jesus seriously. His calls to radical, self-sacrificial love, there is no excuse. Because even if they die, God will raise them to new life. And with Jesus' resurrection, all his crazy teachings are vindicated. This is the new way to live because the kingdom of God is here. Resurrection means we now have no excuse not to do it in Jesus' way. We see someone like Paul later understanding this and living it out. He models it in how he is beaten and jailed by the authorities of his day, still having joy in his heart. 
the authorities and powers of darkness have no tool but death to threaten the Christian with. You can see how Paul endures slander and beatings in the book of Acts, and you can see how he teaches the way of Jesus with vocabulary that just seems awfully relevant in the letter to the Corinthians. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. Paul, 1 Corinthians. This way of living is dangerous. This way of giving up power and status, serving and loving, though it involved no sword, this is how we fight our battles. It is not passive. Lee Camp writes, Jesus and other early Christians were not executed because they were spiritual. They were executed because their politic was a threat to the powers that be. This new political movement would offer the world something at which kings and rulers would shake their heads. Love of enemies, practices of reconciliation, sharing of wealth, honoring of marriage, renunciation of our varied practices of greed and lust, and an embrace of all the practices of life and mercy and kindness. He says the way of Jesus, the crucified Jesus and his people was a threat to the powers that be. It is ironic the one who gave up his power was a threat that needed to be eliminated. Like Garrett talked about last week, even though he was God, he made himself nothing, taking the form of a human, taking the form of a slave. The crucified way of life is one of humility, and it is one that gives up power in self-sacrificial love, and he asks us to do the same to drop the perceived power and rank of the way of the world. Listen to Paul. He, he writes a lot <laughs> in the New Testament. He's undercutting the hierarchies that are inundated by the way of the world. In Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Philemon, have him back no longer as a slave but as a dear brother. Galatians, for you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus modeled an upside-down way of living. And it subverted the oppressive hierarchies of the day where some humans were treated as subhumans, Planting that seed in slavery and racism and sexism so that it would die. All are equal in God's kingdom, brothers and sisters in Christ. The way of Jesus will sprout and overcome the way of the world. And it is incredible how much society has changed since the time of Jesus. But there is still work to be done, and the church should be at the forefront of it. We will change the world, not by power, but through sacrificial love. To quote Lee Camp one last time, he says, those who are skeptical of Christianity may ask us, you claim Jesus is the Messiah to bring peace to the world? Where is peace? Do you not see the war making and hostility that continue to pervade human history? Numerous of the early church fathers responded in effect this way, you are wrong. 
Jesus is the Messiah. The evidence? This. We, the people of God, who claim Jesus as Messiah, comprising people of every tribe, tongue, and land, once made war with one another and lived in hostility with the other, we now have put away war and embody in our common life the peace of God. We share our lives and possessions. We forgive offenses and bear one another's burdens. We celebrate and honor the life of the marginalized and the poor and the outcast. And we live in a freedom which otherwise makes no sense. We are free to live the radical, self-sacrificial, power-surrendering way of Jesus because we know the resurrection has broken the way of the world. Amen.